tonight, I really felt like I wanted to talk to you about, about this, and you're going to have to follow me here. It's one of, those, one of those things, as I was praying and thinking about tonight's service, I, I found this picture. What, what, is that, what does that speak to you when you see that? Of course, it depends on your personality. What does that speak to you? Alfred. <laughs> he said Alfred Hitchcock and, and the birds. Well, no, that's not what I was going for there. That is funny, though. Um, not giving into peer pressure. Okay. All right. Again, not what I was thinking at all. But <laughs> maybe, <laughs> wow. Maybe he smells. Okay. Actually, actually, Vicky, your prayer request, I think, is more in line with what I was thinking about. Here's, and and, I, and I'm going to use this kind of an illustration to get to something that's, that's actually more personal and less, less about some other things. If, if you are following along in your YouVersion Bible app, I gave you a little bit more of a clue. And of course, some of you have told me, oh, I skip ahead and I know exactly where you're going. But, and that's fine. You do it however works for you. But um, in the YouVersion Bible app, I said, I said, you know, glow sticks and, and relationships. And you try to figure out where the relationship is in those two things. But as I was reading and doing some study for tonight, I was, I was, I was reading about, about um, the fact that we were created for relationship. And I know many of you have studied this, heard this, probably heard it preached from right here before. But the fact is, human beings need relationship. And it starts immediately upon birth. And I know you've heard this before, but one of the tragedies is kids who are born into situations, whether it's in an orphanage or or wherever, where there isn't that contact, that human contact. And it literally retards their emotional growth and physical growth. And on the other hand, if they have even the slightest physical contact and relationship, they can thrive. But we're the same way. But we live in a world today that's more and more isolated and and uh, I was noticing as I was praying about, you know, even today as we were, as we were out as, you know, pastors and, you know, we, we don't, I don't, we don't go out a whole lot, but as we were out at different places, I was just noticing, and partly because I knew what we were going to be talking about tonight, I was noticing how many people were out at a restaurant, but not together. And you see this, if you just look around, it's really sad and tragic. You'll see people and they're there and maybe he's reading a paper and she's just staring off into space or maybe both of them and they're on their phone and they're, they're three feet apart, but they're not together. But it's worse than that. As I was studying, I was reading that they're saying the majority of people who seek therapy, regardless of whatever their presenting need is, so if they come in for depression or anxiety or, or eating disorders or, or whatever other issues they're experiencing, what ends up happening is the common denominator is they're struggling with a lack of interpersonal relationships. That seems to be the source of a lot of these other issues that people go in for help with. And maybe you've heard definitions like this before, but loneliness is something that's a deep sense of isolation and a disconnect from others. Some people have described it as a prison more than sadness, but a prison where they're alone. I think about about this and the, the tendency we all have, and I, I kind of did it, it kind of set you up for this, but we, we kind of blame society, but I think we forget that we are society. We are that. That is us. You know, it's kind of that old saying, you know, I've found, I've seen the enemy and he is me. 
So many times, you know, we are, we are like that. But, you know, society has changed a lot. And as we were driving down there and, you know, we, we, were, we went through a couple small towns and I was just thinking about small town life and how it used to be. And today's much different. I mean, if you go back just even 50 years ago, there were questions that people didn't have to answer, like, where am I going to live? Or what am I going to do? Or who am I going to do it with? Because that used to be obvious. You're going to live here where you grew up, and you're going to do what mom and dad did, and you're going to do it with us. And it's no longer like that. And the questions are way more complex. I was talking with Pastor Jeremy. We were just talking about that. Just he and I, at one point, we were walking around and just talking about, about the different, you know, I was telling him, because my dad was in the military, even when we were overseas, or no matter where we were, we were in community. And it was a military community, but it's still community. You know, maybe, maybe not ideal or ideal. I mean, I loved it. Our family enjoyed it. I know not every family enjoys it, but we had that. But then when we came to San Diego and then, you know, I've never lived really. I've, I've visited rural. My parents grew up small town, Cal- Northern California, but, but it's different. And so he was talking about his experience in the small town he grew up in at one point. I mean, they traveled some too, but at one point he said the talk when he was in like middle school and high schools, everybody said, I can't wait to get out of here and, and go live in Ponca, Oklahoma. It's a town of 4,800 people. <laughs> He'd already been around enough to say, is that it? But that's the sense that people get where that's, that's kind of the, the only thing they can think of. And you think about some of the popular TV shows that have, that have been around for a long time. I mean, you can go all the way back to MASH or, or Friends or, you know, there's so many TV shows like that. You can skip forward to uh, even today's shows like you know, Goldberg's or the middle or even once upon a time or, or the NCIS franchise or the CSIs. You know what's one thing that sociologists tell us that makes those shows popular? It's not just that they're crime solving and interesting and, you know, have the plot twist. You know what it is? We are looking at a relationship that we desire. No matter which of those shows I mentioned, they're a family of sorts. They're together all the time. They solve problems together. They have fun together. They eat together. They have joys together. They have conflicts together. There's problems. There's resolution. But think of how many people are sitting in an isolated existence and living vicariously through that group. Sometimes it gets weird. I mean, there's people out there who really think those are real people. Or have real lives, or they, they talk about, I've talked to people, and as they're talking, I'm, I'm sure I'm smirking, but I'm thinking, oh my goodness, they just called him that character's name in the show. They realize, that's not real. That's not real. They're just playing lines. They're playing, you know, make-believe, just like we did as kids, but they're reading someone that someone else wrote. It's not even their own personalities most of the time. The sad thing is, we are just as isolated unfortunately, in the most important relationship you will ever have. Now, I know I'm not talking about you guys, not you, somebody else. But a lot of times, the most important relationship, now these human relationships, as important as they are, they're not the most important. The most important one of all, we also live isolated from. And here's the thing. Most of all human history people have been isolated from this relationship. But that's not what God intended. It is not the way he intended for it to be. 
Let me take you on just a little, little trip here and have us take a look at this. And you might ask, where did we lose that relationship? Sadly, we lost it right in the beginning, right in the garden. Right in the Garden of Eden, we lost it. Look, look with me, if you will, at, at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Now, we'll just look. When the, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, this is the New Living Translation, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. If you've never read this portion of the Bible, you may be thinking, why would they hide? Well, what had happened was they just, they just violated what he had told them not to do, and they ate of the apple and the whole thing with the serpent and all of that. That's not the part I wanted you to see. That's important, but that's not what I wanted you to see. Did you see what was happening? This, this was what it used to be. It used to be that in the cool of the evening breezes, God would walk around and have relationship with them. He would have relationship He would walk around and talk with them. And the rest of this section of scripture says he calls out to them. And then Adam comes and said, he comes to him and says, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid from you. And God says, who told you that? Of course he knew. Here's what, here's the thing. Back then, before they made these mistakes, they had a direct one-on-one relationship with God. It was not a second-hand relationship. You may know people like this, and this is a very sad thing, where some people don't have these first-hand relationships, even with people. It's like they have it vicariously through a, a TV character, or maybe, maybe they have a friend who has a good relationship, and then they, they experience it that way. That's not what God intended. He intended direct First-hand relationship with himself. That's what it was in the garden. First-hand. We've, we've talked before about no grandchildren. We've talked before God doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have grandkids. I wanted to point out something else. His relationship with Eve wasn't even through Adam. Do you see this? Do you, I mean, it's not up there anymore. Do you see what I'm talking about? He walked with them in the garden. She had direct relationship with him. Adam had direct relationship. That's what he intended. That's the ideal. That's what he wanted from all of us. And now, it's not like that. Some people, they, they want a relationship with God, but they don't want to do what it takes to have the relationship. So in a way, they think they can experience that through you or through somebody else. But even that's not what he intended. There isn't a way to live off someone else's experience with God. It can't be just stories you've heard about him. It has to be something you experience for yourself. Something else I see in that scripture we just showed, God searched for them. He searched for them. You know, I look at that story and, and I think, I, <laughs> I mean, it could have been so different. You know, and if they were to, if Hollywood were to take that story, you know what they would do is as soon as she bit the apple, it would explode or something, right? Or poof or, right? That's not what happened. God let them walk through. They, they had the great relationship. He let them experience the guilt and shame 
and try to cover the, or hide themselves from God. And he searched for them. He walked into their sin and called out their name. That blows me away. That's who he is. He wants relationship with you even when you are the one who destroys it and blows it. We're not really wired like that, are we? I mean, for us, I mean, sometimes it's okay, but, but there's times when people do things that bother us or annoy us or, or, or violate a trust or, or whatever happens that, that ruins the relationship and we can't forgive and we're like, okay, just leave me alone, I'm done. But God searched for them. He came looking for them. And he does the same for you. He searches for you in your loneliness and in your isolation and in your pain. Even in the middle of it, when you, it's your fault. He searches for us even when we don't recognize it. He searches for us whether you want it or not. Have you ever been so upset with somebody you just didn't want even reconciliation? And he searches for you even in the middle of that. When you look back over your life, he searches for you. Now, maybe, maybe for you, as I'm describing this relationship with God and what he intended, maybe for you, you felt like now you're kind of in a, a wilderness, like you're, you're wandering and you can't even find him. And I want to take you to another portion of scripture where, where literally the Israelite nation was wandering in a wilderness. And not to go over the whole story, but you remember how, how Moses came and delivered them from, from uh, slavery in Egypt. You know, there were all the plagues, and then they, they launch out, and then Pharaoh's army chases them, and God splits the Red Sea, and they cross over on dry land, and the sea covers and, and destroys the Pharaoh's army. And then as they're walking, and they're thirsty, and they're complaining and saying, we could have died in Egypt, and now you're going to have us die out here, and God provides water. You know all this, right? In the middle of this, God appears in a cloud by day and leads them in a pillar of fire by night. And in the middle of this, Moses, their leader, he has this tabernacle that he sets up, a tent of meeting, it's called. And we find it in Exodus 33. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then afterward, Moses would return to the camp But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. When I read this, there's a few things that jump out at me. The first thing is, God speaks. You may have had this experience in your life where you're wanting to hear from him and you want to know what he thinks, but you're not hearing him. I want you to know he speaks. He speaks. But there's some things that are here that I think we need to unsee, and that is Moses went there every day. It says he went there every day. Now, as we look into, into the book of Exodus, it says that there were 600,000 men. And if you had women and children just doing the math, it had to be a huge group of people, close to 2 million. He was administrating that entire group. Can you imagine what it would have been like for him to take the walk through the camp to head out to the tent? I bet you, I bet you along the way, there was a lot of people that said, hey, Moses, I've got a problem I need you to fix. Or, hey, Moses, there's some things that we need to settle here between this person and this person. 
he had a full calendar. You realize he had his own family too. He had a wife. He had children. He had a world to administrate there. But what he did is every day he went out to the tent of meeting and he met with God face to face. He did that. That was the priority. And he did that every day. And when he went, the Bible clearly says that God spoke to him. Here's what I want to encourage you first tonight. You need to have a time every day that you you set aside and you speak to him. Now, I like that idea, that tent of meeting. You could even call it your tent time. I don't care what you call it, but you need to have it because that is a crucial time in your life. And I know that, that for a lot of us, there are a lot of things weighing on us. We are busy, and, it, and I don't mean to, to minimize it at all. It's important. You have things to do. You have family. You have people who need you. You have a job. You have responsibilities. You have limited time. I know that. He knows that. But I guarantee you, if you will meet with him, he will speak to you. He will speak to you. Now, him speaking to you may be different for everybody because he does. He speaks differently at different times, but he does speak. He speaks differently. There may have been times in your past where you heard him a certain way. Maybe for you, he speaks to you through the Bible and you're reading a verse and it jumps out to you in a new way. Maybe it's a small voice or an impression. The key is when you meet with him, he speaks. But let me say this. Don't try to live off yesterday's experiences because those aren't good enough. It's not in this verse, but I, I've heard this before. And I remember the first time I heard it, I thought, I thought, whoa, it made me stop and think. And this, this person was praying and they were asking God for fresh manna. And that was part of their prayer. And I was just overhearing them. And I thought about that over the years. I, I know what they were saying, but it didn't really land on me until I was studying this portion of Scripture. You know how the manna worked, right? They wanted the manna, but God wanted them to learn to trust him every day. So he would cover the ground with manna. And you remember that means, what is it? Because it wasn't quite bread. It was, some, it was similar to bread, but it wasn't bread. It was, and we don't know. Angel food, there you go. But they would get that manna, but if they collected more than their share for the day, it would spoil, Right? But then on this, the, the day before the Sabbath or whatever, they could get a portion for two days so they didn't have to gather on the Sabbath. But it needed to be fresh every day. We don't do that anymore, do we? We've got refrigeration and preservation. And, and the fact is, there's a lot of times where we just coast on yesterday's word from the Lord. But I like to play on that whole thing about manna being bread. And Jesus said he was the bread of life. And you know this too, he was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. You know all that, right? You need that fresh bread, that fresh word from him every day, every day. Um, For some of us, that sounds too much. And you may be thinking, well, I'm I'm not like the preacher. I don't need that every day. But the truth is, he will speak to you if you'll visit with him every day. Let me... Let me just encourage you too. You, you know this. This is so intuitive. You know. You can tell when people spend time with him, can't you? 
You can tell when you do. You're different. When you spend time with him on a regular basis, it changes who you are. It changes you in a good way. Let me just quickly just run through a few scriptures where it just kind of lays that out for us. Because the fact is, it does change us in a big way. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to jump around just a little bit, but this first one has been one that I've, I've contemplated a lot in my life. Um, you can tell when a person speaks with God. This is in Mark chapter 9. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Isn't that sad in a way? They kind of got called out right in front of Jesus, like they got told on or whatever. You, you realize the disciples had ministry, though. It wasn't as if they hadn't prayed for people and people hadn't been delivered before. I mean, Jesus specifically sent them out two by two to do just this. So it's not as if they, couldn't, they weren't qualified to cast out demons. They'd done it before just not this time. So when they come to Jesus later, this is afterward when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they ask him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now I've, I've asked myself and I've had other people ask, how does that work? I mean, why did, did certain demons have more power than others? Evidently, but the fact is we don't know a lot about that. And one good rule of thumb is if the Bible doesn't tell us all the details, God didn't think it was that important for us to know all the details because he probably didn't want you to focus on that. The fact is, he clearly says this kind comes out with prayer and fasting. You know what that means? (laughs) More, More power, more time with God. More time with him, more ability to deal with the issues that are in your way. Now, I pray to God none of you have to deal with something like this. But the fact is, the things you're dealing with require, some of them, more time with him. That's just the facts. Some of you are struggling with something, and I've talked to people in in my own life. I'm thinking, God, this this is worse than ever, or this problem is bigger. What do I need to do? And what he's saying to me is, spend more time with me. Spend more time with me. Because the more time you spend with him, you are different. Things change. Time with him changes things. Hopping back to, to uh, uh, well, hopping forward, I guess. Acts chapter four. Uh, this is a great, this is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Let me just quickly, I, I mentioned this the other day in church too, but Peter and John, you know, they're going to the ba- gate beautiful. The beggar's sitting there. Uh, they lean over to him. He thinks they're going to give him money. He, and then they say, uh, silver and gold, have we none? But such as we have, give, we, give I thee. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and be healed. He's healed. Then they get hauled into court over it. And then as they're told, don't, don't tell anybody about this. Don't do this anymore. They say, we can't follow your instruction. Then the members of the council were amazed and they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's what makes the difference. And then hopping back over to Moses again. This is Moses when he's in the tent he comes out, Moses came down, uh, well, here, he comes down from the Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed the terms of the covenant. He wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Later in this chapter, it says, 
that he would cover his face with a veil because it disturbed the people, but then he would go in. Remember, we talked about that last week. What was it? It was time with Jesus. Our time with God in there, speaking face to face. And all that's good, but we're not trying to glow, right? We're not trying to glow. It's not about that. It's not about glowing. We don't do it for ourselves. But let me say this. If you are glowing, you're going to be a better husband, better wife, better friend, right? Better employee. You're going to have better... You're going to be more able to deal with whatever situation is weighing you down in life. It's not about glowing. I mean, glowing is silly. It's not about that. You know what it's about? I want to, I want to raise it even more. It's, it's, even, it's even, not even about really dealing with the issues. It's about you spending time in a relationship with the Father. That's, that is the goal more than anything else. It's that relationship. We started off tonight, I wanted to kind of pull you into this by talking about the isolation in our world because that's important and it's horrible. But worse is people's isolation from God himself because he wants the relationship with you more than anything. So just like in the garden, he wants to walk with you. He wants to spend time with you. And when that doesn't happen, he comes searching for you. See, I don't think of it like that. I don't think, I think part of me thinks I'm not worthy of that. Part of me thinks that God, why, God's got more important things to worry about than a relationship with me. But guess what? He's God. And he's got more than enough capacity to worry about each one of us and to pursue each one of us individually. That's what he desires more than anything else is a relationship with you. So yes, spend time with him because... Uh, like in the, in the casting out demons, you know, these only come out with prayer and fasting. Yes, spend time with him for the power, but more importantly, spend time with him for him. Spend time with him for him. So how long do you spend in prayer? You know what? Here's what I challenge you to do. Spend a little more time than you did yesterday. How about that? So what do you pray about? You know what? I, I heard this, this, last, I heard this uh, yesterday. Give time to matters that matter. How about that? Pray for everything you can think of. Lay it before him. If you're carrying a weight, think about who could carry it better than him. No one. No one. Dave, Dave, could you put some music on for us for a sec? I told you we're going to spend some time in prayer here for a minute, but before we go to prayer, I just wanted to share this quote by Oswald Sanders. It says, everyone has the relationship with God they want to have comes down to us what do you want from him do you want relationship he wants that too do you want to know him better he wants that too what do you want because you get what you want you want relationship with him he's here for that relationship so here's what we're going to do it's 8 21 you know the kids youth they usually aren't out till 8 30 anyway i want to just have you take these next 10 minutes and we're going to pray. Now, some of you do have these prayer request cards. And if you'd like to fill one of these out, if you have a prayer need you'd like us to be praying for on a more regular basis, these cards are back at the back. Um, I encourage you earlier to be praying for our country and things going on. But I wanted to also give you a couple more things to pray about as we go to prayer right now. And that is, 
I wanted us also to be praying about what's happening here at the church. There's a lot of things going on. This is a very busy week, and next week also. Uh, this week, we are, we are kind of the culmination of our whole missions month, our whole missions convention, and we're having a missions fair. We'll have about eight missionaries that will have tables and displays out in the lobby starting at 9 o'clock, so we don't have Sunday school this Sunday. We'll all be out here. And um, I love Kelly Woods has put together a... Um, kind of a scavenger hunt for us. So as we go to each one of these missionaries, each one of them will have something that you can mark off on this slip. But in addition to the, to the missionaries, both home missionaries and foreign missionaries that will be here, we also have about 10 local ministries, including, you know, If Not For Grace, who offices here at the church, but also women's shelter, a, ch- a youth shelter. We have a City Union Mission. We have some feeding programs that will be here. Great, great um, missions organizations that are right here in the area in the city that will be here, and you can learn more about what they're doing. In addition to that, we're asking that, that you would adopt some of them and just get in a personal relationship with them. We'll have a, we have a speaker who's coming. He's one of my favorites. He will challenge us. And then we will give you an opportunity to pledge what you could give towards missions in this next year. So that is happening Sunday. It'll be a big day. In addition to that, uh, we're also, we want to feed them uh, lunch after the service so if you could help us with that kind of potluck, and you're welcome to come and stay and spend some time with them and kind of even get to know them around lunch. So we'd encourage you. We need you to sign up for that, though, so we kind of have an idea of how many will be uh, participating and be part of it. So that's big. And then, you know, next week uh, we do our fall festival, and uh, we are expanding that again this year. You know, in the years past, we have completely packed the gym. I don't know how many of you have been here. I mean, it's been so tight in there. You're just kind of elbow to elbow so what we'd like to do is because we invite, you know, we've sent postcards to the entire neighborhood, like a thousand postcards in the neighborhood. So we have, we always have people come who've never been in the church before. So what we wanted to do this year is draw them into this incredible facility, you know, because the building is, is just a building. I mean, we use it to draw people in and let them see. So we want them to see, you know, for instance, the kids area and the lobby. So we will have, it's kind of comical. We'll have some music in the lobby. It's comical only because Nick has a neighbor who's got a, um, a um, bluegrass band, so they're going to be there. Um, you know, we'll have, we'll have all, the, 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 um, all the carnival games that we always have will be up in the kids' church area, so families will come, and they will literally see this, this church that's designed to minister to them. So I want to encourage you to be here and help with that, uh, and Pastor Rob was just caught me right before service, and, and I love that he asked me to do this. He said, can you have them pray? Pray that people will come and they will want their lives to be changed and be part of what's going on at this church. I love that. That's what I want you to pray for, that God will make that happen. Pray for our church. Pray for marriages like Carol had mentioned. Pray for those things. So let's take just these next 10 minutes and commit them to God in all these things that we've mentioned. If you have those prayer request cards, pray for those and then pray for these other things that we've mentioned tonight. God bless you.